tattoo on my forehead that says Shrek 2 on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> now on DVD. Yeah, With the DVD logo box that kind of thing. Yeah. Oof. That's pretty good. Yeah. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we're taking control of your radio station, and it's been one week since you heard from us, and now we're back. We are. We really are. Who are we? Well, <laughs> my name is Chicken to China, the Chinese chicken. I'm one of the four chickens you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Andrew McDonald. You get the drumstick and your brain starts licking. Ticket, 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 whatever, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've barely heard that song. <laughs> I think you just disqualified yourself. I'm, I'm one of the six people Dang. alive who don't know one week. <laughs> oh. That's Adam Buncher. Hey, how you doing? And rounding out the gang, close personal friend Nathan Harrison. I thought I was going to be like Leanne Rhymes or something. Like that. That's, that's no, stupid. you're Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you yeah. go. Yeah. Can I be Donald Mason? No, yes, Mason, Mason, Mason. You're going to be yeah. the the anime girls with the <laughs> making me yeah. horny. Oh, damn. <laughs> Do, do I have to be that? No, it's I right. would prefer to not be that. Hey, um, guys, welcome back. Because you had a little sojourn over to a... I'm not really a rival podcast, but... A sister podcast. <laughs> sister, sister More podcast than we place. messed their set up pretty bad yeah. on the way out. Yeah, oh, We trashed yeah. the place. Yeah, yeah. okay. You so know like, thanks for in, having us losers and you just pull everything out. Elliot yeah. thought he was being really generous, uh, giving me beers all afternoon, but I just kept spilling them on the ground on purpose when he wasn't looking. Yeah. So yeah. his house smells now. <laughs> um, if you don't know what we're talking about, these three gentlemen who are sitting across from me were on another podcast called The Simpsons Index. Excellent podcast. Very good. Um, talking about episodes of The Simpsons from various different decades. I loved listening to the episode that you guys are in. Um, it's out now, and if you would also like to listen to it, go mm. ahead and do that. Search The Simpsons Index wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and huge thanks again to Elliot for having us. We had yeah. so much fun. Much obliged. Let's talk about the very obscure, uh, very uh, minor hits from the late 90s featured in uh, some low-budget indie flick called American Pie. Uh, let's talk about Harvey Danger. At number 35, this is Flagpole Sitter.
Danger coming in at number 35 in the 1998 Hottest 100. That song is called Flagpole Sitter and is not called I'm Not Sick But I'm Not Well. Uh, the lead singer <laughs> of the band has gone on to say if he'd named it something like that, he would probably own a yacht by now. <laughs> <laughs> because more people would have been able to yeah. properly find the song. He did pretty well then. Yeah. Ah. All things considered. <laughs> yeah. Andrew. David. Suck me beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the first time we're speaking about Harvey Danger. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Possibly this, the only. Yes. I'm not too sure. I have a feeling this next countdown for this year is going to be a big one for Harvey oh, Danger. the 2019? Yeah, 2018. Oh, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd love big that. comeback. Flagpole Sitter 2. Sit harder. <laughs> Again, it's one of those songs that's weird to discuss because most people will at least know this. From their debut record, Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone, which I think is a great name for a record. It's a ripper title. Um, yeah, it's a good it's, record, too. Yeah. Late inclusion for this. This was a single in July 97. Don't know when it got to Australian shores, perhaps a little mm. bit later. It's going to be in this countdown. Sound, sounds about right. We always get shit late. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, Jay would have been playing the shit out of this because it fucking bangs. It Hell is yeah. power pop, pop punk done to the most perfect degree. It is just fun as hell. I think this is an ideal like kind of karaoke track. Awesome one to sing along to. The lyrics are brilliant in their specific way. I think the way that all the elements of this song come together, the rollicking kind of cowpunk drumming drives everything forward and then like the thick bass and the, like, the riff comes in. But then when the chorus comes in, you forget about everything else in the song because you just want to scream along to I'm not sick but I'm not well. And it's so hot because I'm in hell. It's like, like everything about it, it, all the lyrics in there, like you're just on the periphery of being a cool guy. One of the best lyrics of the 90s is I want to publish zines and rage against machines. Hell it's yeah. It's so 90s. The 90s right? is the lyric ever. And like, that's a feeling. I remember, like, like, not that I was of age to be publishing zines in 97, but like, I remember, I remember or that. Or rage against machines oh, yeah. for that matter. But yes. Um, Maybe a Nintendo 64. Yeah. <laughs> Getting shitty with it like I always yeah. did. Yeah. It's um, broken. It's broken. Yeah. 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 Try, try blowing on it. Try. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone all, had all. one fucked controller where, like, the default setting of the joystick was, was like left. Yeah. 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 Or if like... you had a 64 with Mario Party, all your controllers were yeah. broken. Yeah. 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 But that desire to, when you're a young person, to publish independent zines and rage against the man, to be a cool guy, not because mm. your ambitions are rooted in you being cool, but it feels good being adored. And if you're a cool guy who's like doing all this stuff like that, it makes perfect sense to have that feeling. And this, I love this song a lot. How could you not? But I think more than that, it's a song where the persona, where the narrator wants to suffer. Yeah. Because what this song really is, you know how you talked about how there was that writer who said that the 90s began with Smells Like Teen Spirit and ended with Bittersweet Symphony? Indeed. I think a similar argument could be made about it ending with this song. Mm. Or if not the 90s, then at least grunge. This yeah. I'm going to quickly check the trajectory of those two yeah. songs to see how, mm. how close yeah. they were released to one will, another. Uh, this is like a coda. I'll be right back. It, right? Because the whole thing, right, is that this song is this narrator wanting to be cool, but in the 90s, the way you were cool was by being depressed. Yeah. The way you were cool was by being sick. He's not sick, but he's not well. He's kind of in the middle, and that's the frustrating yeah. point, is because he's not suffering enough to be cool. And by writing that, and writing from that point of view, what Harvey Danger were doing is really just kind of like, through a huge amount of irony, which is ironic in a sense because, you know, grunge in itself was steeped in irony, is tearing it all down. It's amazing. Like, Flagpole Sitter, the name of the song, comes from 
a fad in the 1920s where literally people would climb up and sit on flagpoles. I was, go- I was, go- I was going to joke, oh, people yep. sit on flagpoles. <laughs> no, oh, it's actually literally that. It, it was like the planking of the 1920s. <laughs> it was like a serious thing. And everyone, was, and everyone was kind of one up each other for how long they could sit up there. And what I think that is, is it acts as a metaphor for like martyrdom and suffering, but publicly. You're yeah. putting yourself in the highest possible space and you're suffering there. Yeah. And they're saying, that's grunge. And I'm upset because I'm, I'm not, not more that. upset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like that desire to be a more public, cool martyr, like the singer Sean Nelson, like. I'm not trying to badmouth me, but he looks like a dork. Oh, they like, all look like dorks. He look, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they kind of look with those framed glasses, and he's just not fat, but he's a little bit portly. He's the perfect he's not vessel fat, but for he's this not song. Thin. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the perfect vessel for this song, and obviously these are the only guys who could have written it. This is just so so fucking wonderful. Can we update this and call it Flagpole Jabber? <laughs> That's what's coming back in 2018. Yeah. yeah, that'll be that'll be like, but it's a mumble rap song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It comes in another flagpole. Off the flagpole, running off the flagpole. Yeah. yeah. Agony. Irony. They're killing me. Yeah, baby. She's <laughs> you know, really good. She's got legs. Okay, okay, here we go. So, Flagpole said it was July 29th, 1997. Bittersweet Symphony was released as a single on the 16th of June, 1997. Ah. We are so close, people. Yeah. And fascinating that they, they really are... <laughs> responding to an attitude in a kind of similar way but in completely opposite directions in terms of energy and kind of how you channel that. If you're curious exactly what we're talking about, it's part of the discussion we had about Bittersweet Symphony as part of the top 10 for the last countdown. So that's where you can go to kind of catch up on on that. But um, that's the thing, right? Because like Bittersweet Symphony responds to the end of grunges isn't it's weird to say grunge had optimism but it had like a, a punk kind of idealism yeah yeah um, sure and because what symphony responds to that by saying like nah we we shot the shit this is not what we wanted yeah. god damn it and this responds to it in this way that's just like i missed out fucking hell yeah. <laughs> like, yeah well but also just kind of like but all you ended up doing is is kind of like creating a generation of martyrs mm, all, yeah. all this is what this song basically says it says all the grunge was really good for was celebrating Depression. Yeah, <laughs> and like I, 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 I quoted the lyric when I was covering it just a moment ago in my mumble rap one yeah. for, as Lil Mac. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the lyric near that, like towards the three quarter mark, where he just he moans it out like the agony and the irony, they're killing me. So mm. good, and like that's a mm. thing, like. It's too evergreen a feeling, really. It's like <laughs> the agony and the irony are killing me because, like, so much of the '90s was steeped in performative agony and performative irony, yeah, and that draining you so much, and that's still a thing now. It right? did have like, a body count, yeah, and that's and like, that's a, yeah, mm. literally. Um, and now it's a feeling as well, right? Like with weirdo internet meme times, and also performative depression. The agony and the irony are still killing me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, evergreen feel. Well, because this is the thing. I think I think grunge was responding to context as yeah, much yeah, as any, well, as, much, as much as anything else like there was always going to be some cultural movement that responded to self-pitying 
Yeah. In that kind of way. Well, this like grunge did what punk did in well, punk was a response to like bands like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd being overblown, machoistic, wailing on the guitar, look how beautiful I am as a human being, and then grunge did the same thing in re- response to manufactured pop and hair metal. But yeah, and, and this is as a response to that, just being like, you guys were kind of on yourselves, but I, but I, I but wish I, I could, could, could have done that. I wish I could, like, yeah. I'm sure I could be happier if I was only more depressed. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. beautiful, 100% yeah. and just like what a perfect timepiece this is just like yeah. you yeah. put this in a time capsule for so much of of what was happening then yeah but the lyrics still as you said andrew like taking them outside of context still work oh yeah and and you know how i said with a uh, song for the dump the ben fold song i didn't enjoy that song because i didn't enjoy that character because I, I think like sometimes when you listen to a song you sing by proxy mm. you yeah. perform by proxy of course um and I didn't like being who Ben Folds was, but I like being this guy. Yeah. And that's what I think is... It's embodying self-pity from a distance through this level of irony. On board. Really satisfying. Yeah. Oh, are you saying that when you are at home listening to music, you, pre- you pretend that you're performing that song to a crowd who loves you? That's weird. I don't do that all the time. <laughs> I listen to Nick Cave songs and think I'm in the birthday party. I'm still waiting on uh, Nick Cave to respond to the email that I sent him about... <laughs> The letter for uh, that, that I want him to write for your birthday, saying <laughs> that you're his favourite bad seat. <laughs> He'll get back to me. He'll get back to me eventually. He will. Uh, he's a big, he's a big right tech now. head. Yeah. So, forgive the lateness of my reply. Andrew's <laughs> <laughs> actually the worst seat I know. <laughs> Nick, no! no! That's good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a bad seat. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many people perhaps know this uh, song as the theme music to Peep Show, one of the finest British Mm. sitcoms of all time. It's one of my favourite shows of all time. If you haven't watched Peep Show, amend that. It's on Stan and Netflix. Do it, man. And uh, singer Sean Nelson has commented on this. Being used in Peep Show, he said it was the only pop culture item the song has been associated with that feels like a kindred spirit to the original attitude of the lyrics. And then in 2016, he later said, um, when someone said, oh, how does it feel that like a huge amount of your fans or people who know your music just know you as the theme of Peep Show? And he said, it's a joy to be affiliated with something that's so smart and so funny and so kind of rude and weird, which I think is very sweet. And it's a really great way to... Because he could easily have been like, oh, we have other songs. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really great that he embraces that kind of thing like that. And Peep Show does represent... A similar kind of irony and weirdness that the song does. Definitely. What a fucking subtweet to American Pie, though. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> that's you know, fair. This is the best thing. Definitely the best thing we have ever been involved in. As and if, Jason Biggs is just like, oh, come on! As if, as if the American Pie is in the spirit of this song, though. I get that. But, like, like American Pie, people have time for him in that, but, like, it's alright to drag American Pie. That's <laughs> like, on the safe to not Nah, man, list. I'm back into it now. <laughs> American Reunion 2, Deej Boogaloo. <laughs> American Pie it's woke now (laughs) Eugene Levy's just like that pie should have been consenting (laughs) loads of American Pie is so probo as well oh no shit thread guys Oh, man. Uh, so, last year, obviously, this song turned 20 and Sean Nelson got interviewed over on Stereo Gum. And the interviewer brought up the fact that this song came out around the same time as stuff like Walking on the Sun, as we've talked about, and uh, You Get What You Give. Those, these songs that, you know, were, like, super catchy and super accessible, but also kind of had their own kind of running commentary and kind of just like, we live... In a society, <laughs> uh, in their own sort of ways. And I hadn't even thought about that. 
songs that are like deceptive, kind of like Trojan horses in a way, where you're just too busy screaming along and knowing those like sick riffs to ever worry about anything else that they're actually talking about. But then when you kind of break it down and you sit down with it, you're just like, oh, right, so that's what they were going for. Obviously, some certain bands that rage against the machines, mm-hmm. uh, it could be any band, really, they are very, very explicit. That's uh, what we like to call super liminal. <laughs> <laughs> but where's, where's the time for the machines against the rage? Right? Is my question. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's, like, all the time. Everything. That's every day. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that this song has layers and the fact it can work on every level, the fact you can kind of break it down bit by bit and go through things that are being related to and, you know, being reflected on, but you can also just take it purely on the very, very basic face value of this is a fucking power pop song that whips ass. I love that there are songs out there with those multiplicities and those complexities that aren't just these monoliths of this is it, this is the thing, you do the thing, you see the thing, you appreciate the thing. There are so many ways to enjoy this song and sometimes that involves watching Shipbreak uh, and all of his various friends on American Pie. Which is the superior? No, I didn't know. I'm not going to even. In this essay, I will. <laughs> but also, just getting back to like the song, like even if you didn't get the minutiae and the context or whatever, like sometimes you are not sick, but you are not well. That's as hilarious as it is genuinely tragic. And I think like <laughs> it's 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 both of those things. Mm. And it's such a non-issue, but like it is a real suffering. So it's like I don't know, man. I think I think that's really great that you. They encapsulated Absolutely. that in the song in such yeah, a way. You, like when you, when you <laughs> like, you don't want to go to work, and you you like you have a bit of a sore throat, and you're like <laughs> you're just depressed, and you're like, but I'm not sick. I'm still going to work. I've got modernity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was more thinking of more like on an existential level. Oh but right, I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I said, multiplicities. Yeah, yeah. So many ways to devour this song, and if anyone asks, just tell your mother we ate it all. Well, it's been a long time coming, but we are finally here. At number 34, it's the Bare Naked Ladies with one week. It's been one week since you looked at me. Got your head in the sands and I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying, get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault, but couldn't tell you. Yesterday, you've forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it, now I'll watch the hood wink. Does it make you stop thinking? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman I summon fish to the dish Although I like the shallow shoes I like the sushi Cause it's never touch a frying pan Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes Speak like me and mimes Because I'm all about value Bert Camper's got the mad hits You try to match wits You try to hold me but I bust through Gonna make a break and take a pick I like a sneak and ink and shake I like vanilla It's the finest of the flavors Gonna see the jokers And you'll know the vertigo is gonna go Cause it's so dangerous You'll have to sign a waiver I can't help it if I think you're funny when you're mad Trying hard not to smile though I feel bad I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a that was Bennett ladies with one week coming in at number 34 in the 1998 hardest 100. It's been uh, about 20 years since I first heard this song and I vividly remember watching the video on Rage and 
It's been uh, a wild ride since then. It really has. It's been a, a treat for the senses. It's really kind of stimulated my heart and my soul and my mind. And it's been uh, quite something to see the evolution and growth of this song from late 90s novelty hit as featured in such classics as the Digimon movie. That's a real thing. What? Yeah, this was on the soundtrack to the Digimon movie. Is it in the movie or is it, it just... It is in the okay. movie. Yeah. You know how like so many of those soundtracks are just oh, like his... Songs inspired by the two movie. Two songs from yeah, the movie yeah. and then the rest is just songs on under the same label. Oh, you didn't know that this was about Digimon? That's what they're fighting about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what the fight... He left it behind with her. He's like, oh, can you just feed it? Clean up its poop? The chicken of China Chinese chicken is actually Agumon. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Again, it's just a, my notes. Yeah. It's a song with so many layers. Yeah. Uh, That's why you're saying you've been watching the evolution of this song. <laughs> yeah, watching the digilution of this song. Yeah. Digilution and there's mega digilution. Yeah. <laughs> Digivolve. Digivolve. <laughs> You try and prepare for everything yeah. when you come in for these episodes. It's like, I didn't think we'd be going to Digimon. Digimon. We're back on Digimon again, guys. <laughs> we cut it out of every episode. We'll leave it in this week. But I loved in the theme song how it had like the one like super serious guy and then the cool guy. It's like, change into digital champions to save the digital world. Yeah, it's just like, motherfucker. The right. world guy All definitely right. has some shades action going on. <laughs> Guys, save this. Because, if listener, if you're very good, we'll review the Digimon theme song at the end of this podcast. Hell yeah! If you promise to behave from this point on. <laughs> Is that them or us? Right. <laughs> We're not going to. <laughs> it has to be them. We are bad little boys. Some, and, somehow I'm framing this as a reward. Yeah. And, right. you, and, and, and you know how to behave, listener. Just go iTunes.com yeah. slash five star review hyphen hottest one hundred thousands. That's the direct and then URL. Give us a command enter <laughs> and then pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Digimon. You could just type Digimon as the review. Yeah, yeah. If you want. Please. Tell us your favourite Digimon. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Tell yeah, fa- favourite favorite Digimon and why. Mine's and, Armadillamon, because um, he's a good dude. I like Angemon. Yeah, oh, no. oh, was, wow. he was definitely the goat. What about the the, the main Greymon? He was Greymon. he was everyone's favorite, right? Greymon whips mm. ass. But I'm not gonna say Greymon because that's just like saying your favorite Pokemon is Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. that's the chumpest you get, fucking you choice. You get bullied man. for that. Yeah, fuck anyway. those guys. Yeah, it's all about Haunter. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and, baby, and of course your favorite Pokemon is Haunter. <laughs> David. <laughs> How long has it been since you heard this song? It's been uh, about five minutes. <laughs> Obviously, this fucking whips dick. Like, imagine thinking otherwise. Imagine having any kind of contrarian. It's just like, oh, breaking news, guys. I got some hot takes about bare naked ladies. Fucking give a shit, bro. This song fucking destroys universes. Like, this is just a fucking brilliant, hilarious, dumb, strange bizarre fucking song and it's been everything it's been a novelty pop hit it's been in various soundtracks and uh, television and uh, it's been recently the focus of another podcast another enemy podcast um, that I love called Punch Up the Jam uh, where they went through uh, line by line and uh, dissected the whole thing and uh, yeah there's some twisted shit in there man like Joker level twisted (laughs) can't understand what I mean well you soon will that and like 
Is that a threat? Is that a threat, BNL? The I'm the kind of guy that laughs at a funeral is real like, fuck, guy, just don't Look, be that did, guy. It didn't age well. No, it hasn't aged well. Oh, you, no. don't, you don't like that line? No. It's just so what? edgy now. Like, yeah. like, you can see the, the, the kind of like, oh, I'm into some pretty sick humour. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. No, I'm don't... pretty wacky. I'm not kind oh. of Monty Python. Oh, no, no, I'm not Bush. No, I read that in a completely different way. How I just nice read that. What I love about that line and about the character in the song is that it's just like, I just read complete emotional immaturity. And that's why they're having the fight. And it's him when he says, I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral. Like, I don't think he's saying that proudly. But, I think but, it's like, I wish I could be different. I just am. I don't know how to be more emotionally mature than I am, which is why I'm also rapping about Aquaman. It just plays into this man-child persona, and it's like okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And I love that because even though the other person isn't you know, barely mentioned in the in the context, apart they're from you know mentioned. that they're having a fight, right? That his partner, they're having a fight. Yes. That's what the whole thing's about. Mm. You, even though they they barely figure into it, you know that it's his fault because it's just because look at the his way fault. he's yeah. 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 Like, so I'm he's looking, a- yeah. So I'm looking at it as a bigger picture thing. So I'm the type of guy who laughs at a funeral. Can't understand what I mean. You soon will, as in yeah. you will be attending her. a funeral very soon. Potentially oh, of one of your no. loved ones. No, I, I, I just That's... saw that as a. You can't understand what I mean. Well, <laughs> or potentially your own. You may be attending your own funeral. I, I thought what he said, like, can't understand what I mean. You soon will. It's like if you hang around me long enough, you'll know that I make. You, you get I make yeah, yeah, fart yeah. sounds with my armpit. For no reason, and I know that that's dumb, but that's really funny would, to me. I would me. like a full, unabridged, extended history of him taking off his shirt. Do you reckon he's like spe- specifying publicly taking his shirt off? Yeah, I think mm. uh, at funerals. I think it's a metaphor. <laughs> I think it. I oh. think it links to the previous line. What is like mind up my sleeve or whatever? That's oh, uh, I have a history of wearing what, my, my wait, mind on my sleeve. Line, why yeah. are we Why are we explaining the like the jokes? Every know. other wine, <laughs> unless proven otherwise, is chick of the China, the Chinese chicken. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of amazing that we can plumb some depths here because there according are so to many words. This novella. You just came in with that. <laughs> yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, the word. Yeah. Everything happens. So much. Yeah. Famed <laughs> word hater, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> the raps is like, they're a significant part of it, and there's just so much yeah. flowage in there, and it's great flow. <laughs> Let's talk about the flow of this song. This really is one of the standout hip hop tracks of, of the, the 90s. 90s. Mm. Yeah. But apparently, if you go by the legend of how this song came to be, it was improvised. Okay, now we now need to talk what? about. We <laughs> need to talk about them as like a live band, and in fact, going back to their origins, you guys, do you guys know the story of like how these guys came to be, like how they, they came to be formed? I know they called their band name that because then on posters people will be like, "Ah, oh, I'm a bit, mm. bit ornery." No, um, that's not. Oh, whatever. Th- that, th- I don't know why I made that up there. <laughs> well, actually, this the reason that they became big was because the Ontario City Council saw their name and they had this huge lampoon in a local newspaper saying that they objectified women. And there became this whole big thing in the media about the P- you know, PC Brigade has gone too far taking this band off a lineup under this objection because someone, some intern Man. some intern from City Hall saw this and you know decided he was going to try and big himself up and, and launch a campaign and the newspapers <laughs> am I an ally guys <laughs> mm, well I try to get better because he's from Ontario you tell me <laughs> <laughs> But this is this is the thing. But because of that, they got so much press yeah. and they blew up. At the time, they only had a, a, an independent released 
tape out, but because of this attention that they got over this PC incident, it became one of the best-selling independent releases in Canada ever. Man, that, that attendant played himself so hard. Yeah, yeah, but it was a big boon for the He for was the probably a patsy. Ladies. He was probably Sim- one of So, they actually got the name The Bare Naked Ladies because although the, the two founding members of the band, they went to school together, but they didn't really uh, become friends until they went to a, a concert with one another. I believe it was Peter Gabriel. Um, good, good. And then they kind of started playing together in, in, in bands and whatever. Um, they also went to a Bob Dylan concert together. Um, this was like the second time. This, this cemented their friendship, basically. They went to a Bob Dylan concert together, but they had a really terrible time. They didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> Kel surprise. So what they did instead of paying attention to the concert was they pretended to be music critics and they were making up fictitious bands to criticise. And one of the band names they riffed on in that night was Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, nice. Now... One of the performers was part of another band that was uh, set to perform at a Battle of the Bands. That band broke up, and he completely forgot that he'd registered to put him in the Battle of the Bands. But then he called up the other guy. Old mate. Old mate. And it was just kind of like, come do this thing. They booked in to do three rehearsals, missed all of them. Nice. And so instead of performing, they just they improvised. They just, like, riffed out. And then they got another gig off the back of that... <laughs> And they also missed all the rehearsals, so that, again, was a, was a gig that they didn't prepare for at all, completely improvised on the spot. And that set the tone for a lot of what they did in pretty much every live gig since, which apparently just features them just making it up, because that's just what the band was to them. Yeah, right. Um, and they, are, that, they are the improv troupe of music. But yeah, totally. without, without being oh my like... God. <laughs> but being a real band, like, he used to just freestyle rap either during songs or between songs, like, when they played live, and apparently, you know, became okay with it, because he was able to freestyle rap and improvise all the lyrics to, to this track. If I could uh, interject for just a minute. You can. That sounds insufferable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that band the fuck away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. What do you think about... Well, look, you said before that this song has... It's been many things, but I think it has only... It's been a pop novelty. And it's been a good pop novelty. Like, I have time for this, but I don't have heaps of time for it. After one play, I'm done. I don't know. I feel like a bit of a Grinch, but what it like... Well, yeah, you are interrupting my current tattoo session where I'm getting I-T apostrophe S-B-E-E-N as knuckle tats. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Right? Um, Yeah. It is bizarre rap rock scar number. And like the fact that it works, which is basically a Venn diagram. <laughs> diagram yeah. Throw an improv, and I'm just yeah. like, well, hey. I, I don't know how to critically evaluate it because like, it's like it is, it's all right for a novelty pop song. Done. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like I, 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 there, there's never a time now where I'm like, I want to hear this song. I never think that. I like, and also because like it's been like like you said, it's been a lot of things, and yeah, it's, it's been, been like so. Songs that where you can say one or two words from the very start and then you recognise that song are ripe with mimetic mutation potential. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why, like, you can go, like, some... And then everyone knows... Yeah. yeah. Some. Yeah. And, they, and even more than that, saying, it's been... Is it, yeah. there's it's nothing been some. Can, <laughs> there's nothing else it can be, right? Like, mm. You know that. So it's ripe for internet lulls. I think songs like that are also kind of emblematic of bands that had a real like most of them like one hit wonder success and real big flash in the pan over saturation because that's kind of what the 90s 
music market was about. If something was big, it was like explosively big. Mm. And then looking back on them 15, 20 years later, a lot of those bands have no substance to them at all. And not in the sense that they're kind of manufactured. They're just a bunch of white college boys doing an improv rap song. And you're like, well, this was fun, but why Why was there so much of this song? It's, it was everywhere. I got it all over my stuff. And now it's 20 years on, and it's kind of funny to think about how empty that is, in, in a way. Yeah. That's what I think. And does that limit your enjoyment of it? Or, like, is there still a time... No, like, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I just, like, I feel like I've been put under duress to have to talk about this song, because, like, it's exhausting. <laughs> talking like, about like, a fucking song, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, talking about this song is something that no one should really yeah, God. have to do. If someone puts this on for karaoke or in a drive or whatever, haha, that's very funny. But, like... Oh, don't fuck dr- trying to do this for karaoke. Are you kidding me? People would absolutely... Big, risk, big reward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true, true. Yeah. Like, you go this and you go, like, it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, oh, you're taking home the trophy. The fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rap god, like all that sort of shit. Just <laughs> you, like get off, fuck get off. off the stage and walk up to anyone in that, and just kiss in that them room on and the mouth. straight on the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, everyone's getting laid after that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go home to a bit of chickadee china, if you know what I mean. Chinese I chicken. <laughs> I enjoyed learning about the band. I think their history is fascinating. Um, oh, they have so many songs that fucking whip ass too. It's not just this. It's all been done. Whips ass. Brian Wilson whips ass. Uh, they put out a song about a few years ago called Odds Are that I really dug. Like they're still going, man. Um, they have been. They've done like twenty something records. I do have to point out the last album they put out has one of the worst titles of an album I've ever heard. The name of the album was Fake Nudes. Oof. Get it? Because fake news and they're the bare naked ladies. I think I hate the bare naked ladies. <laughs> slowly realizing like, I don't hate this song. Like, this is a very fun song, but I think I hate the bare naked ladies. Oh, wow. Well, that's been a long and uh, fruitful discussion, and uh, I think we've come to a very strong conclusion. It's been. It's certainly been. G'day from WA at number 33. It's the debut of Eskimo Joe. It's Sweater. About school and made me it cause it was made of wool. Leather pound buttons and a monkey shit brown. Everywhere I go, people put me down. When I go on the little bottom bounds up, makes me look, I got a bad, bad done. That shit around sweater, shit a little sweater, cause I'm too much brain. Hung it in the cause I wouldn't wear it again. No disrespect to my grandpa, but the sweater under that had gone too far. Number 33, uh, that was Eskimo Joe. With the song Sweater from their debut EP when they were tiny little babies. Oh, memories. Adam, you're a, you're a sweater fan. I'm not. I, you, you don't wear I them? basically just wear this one denim jacket. Very uh, fetching on you. Thank so. you. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> I do have to say, Pretty though, I've, I've definitely mistaken other dudes wearing similar jackets for you. 
Like, I've almost gone up to them and like, hey, man. And then I realized, oh, that's not you. It's another very handsome brown-haired dude in a denim jacket. Yeah, Crushing right. disappointment. It's right? There are, there are millions of us in the inner west. It's, it's <laughs> oh, alone, oh, yeah. Let alone <laughs> greater over. Sydney. And the, the ones with the little, uh, like, woolen fleece bits in the in like the yeah I got one of those of it. yeah 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 exactly you, you, you're picking up what I'm they're, putting they're down they're called a Sherpa yeah mm. yeah Sherpa. have you ever been to Perth I used to live in Perth I was born in Perth well there you go yeah I'm from Perth much like Eskimo Joe yeah who yeah, I have to say first and foremost welcome in Eskimo Joe yeah they are a Perth institution and they are an Australian music institution indeed so it's great to be able to welcome them into the hottest 100 and and you know be a part of that history. It's Were really, you all born really in the cool. same hospital? Maybe. I was born in Subiaco Hospital. Um, St. John of God, I believe it was called. Ah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Eskimo Joe well, was born. Perth. Funnily so enough... I'm assuming, I'm assuming you you and Luke Steele and, like, a little birdie and, like, everyone and from... Kevin. Kevin, Luke, well, Kevin Bloody Mitchell, he's Gyroscope. From, he's from Perth. Is he born in Perth? Kevin? Were you born in Perth? <laughs> Kev? Kev? Just leave us an iTunes review <laughs> with a yes or no answer. Five stars, no. <laughs> I live for an iTunes review that's five stars and just says no <laughs> for our podcast. That is, that is pure. All right, so, I mean, basically, these guys have a very similar story to a lot of a lot of young Australian bands at this time. Yes. Won a battle of the bands in Perth, went on to win a battle of the bands in Sydney, got some stuff recorded, got picked up by the Jays, and basically, this is where it starts. Nice, uh, nice this- um, like, the way the history there validates Sydney as, like, the better city. <laughs> like, okay, you did Perth. Let's see how you go in the big smoke. <laughs> Honestly, I had not heard this song before, despite hearing many other Eskimo Joe songs. Really? Um, I'd never you heard it. Yeah, many you times. You heard it? No. Right. I've heard of sweaters. But I, I've, I've, I, yeah, I'm very, very okay with this song. I didn't realise this is where sweaters came from. Okay, so. we, okay. Yeah. Sweater, sweaters, been said enough, sweaters. sweaters been said enough times that I need to make this my primary point before I talk about anything else in the song. We don't say sweater in this country. We say jumper. Hmm. So is this mm. Yeah, but that, doesn't, that doesn't rhyme. I, I was about to say, well, I don't know about in Perth, but well, it's funny got Adam here, so because I've been workshopping what Eskimo Joe's jumpers chorus might sound like. Tell you what, it's pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> May I hit you with some of the suggestions, please? For Eskimo oh, Joe's boy. jumper chorus. Honestly, the best I came up with was I look plumper in this jumper. <laughs> That's good. Wow. But I, I don't really like it because it's a bit body shaming, and I'm not. I'm not really about that. I just imagine it's a really like you know like the grandpa jumper kind of thing that you get yeah, handed down. Yeah, you're like this is my super comfy. I'm only going to wear it at home. What was up until several it, years ago known as a Cosby sweater. Mm. Can't really call it that anymore. Yeah. It's, it does change the meaning of the song a little bit it, mm-hmm. in terms of his relationship to the article of clothing. Um, but maybe for the better. Mm. Uh, got this jumper. It's a frumper. Yeah, you can be that's what I thought. Um, but and then like wearing my my RPG <laughs> playing on my sleeve here, <laughs> wear this jumper, feel encumbered. <laughs> <laughs> that is gold, Jerry. <laughs> so reduced yeah. movement. Look, I, 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 it's fun enough, really. No, it's not. You don't think it's fun? No, it's not. You don't like the song? I feel like we've listened to the same thong, so, same <laughs> song three times in a row, and it's got worse each time. Meatballs! 
we're, we're taping over something again and again and it's degrading each time and now we're at the third level where it's like oh god noted hater of fun Nathan Harrison I remember what Harvey Danger sounded like it's just like the floor recognises Nathan Harrison go for it man. yeah yeah oh. I mean, these guys won the band comp did no one else play yeah. I, I've, I've never heard it before maybe you guys I can see why they won it in Perth Sydney hey that's Adam's hometown you're dissing man Adam was a former member of Eskimo Joe and he's like his character is being assassinated right looks now. like you got out just in time <laughs> before they became hugely successful I don't mind this though I can see entirely why Triple J will be playing this yeah. kind of because they're young guys they want a band comp the song's got some funny like kind of lines there about how much you don't want to wear a sweater like I don't love it but I think it's a fine debut kind of song It's but yeah, you can like, tell god they were kids like yeah. But you can just tell about the sweater. They didn't have yeah. to get in the countdown just because yeah. they're kids. But you can tell that it's so um, many kids haven't. It's nowhere near on the level of like your um like your Grinspoons or your Jebediahs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the the novelty nature of the writing material undersells how much fun the music is. I'll say that the rap e kind of vocals and whatever. Like I don't go in for and the whole thing about you know it's a it's a sweater that. I don't really like, but then at the end, it turns out, given time, it. I do like the sweater. Hey. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't made it to the end of the song. Yeah, like, I, that doesn't really do much for me. I, but I do love the communal nature sing-along of the chorus, like, just as notes, regardless of the fact that it's about a sweater. I think that's fine. And I also really think the, the, probably the best moment is the where they do the vocal sing-along to what's going on with the guitar and they barely keep up. Like, that's really, that's really fine. Like, the that, footage of them doing that on recovery is the most wholesome goddamn thing in the universe. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like, you give, I give them the benefit of the doubt somewhat and be like, all right, guys, you wrote, you wrote, a, you wrote a fun, dumb song that is fun and dumb. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and they'll do it again. I have a very, very soft spot for this EP. At this point, they're just young, impressionable kids, just thrashing about and having fun, and just being yeah, dumb and wholesome and silly and enjoyable. And this just puts a big goofy grin on my face. Same with the uh, Ruby Wednesday, uh, which was the other single from this EP uh, that I yeah absolutely loved. It's funny when you look back at, you know, some of these, like, generally perceived to be, like, very stern and very serious sort of bands, you know, will have, like, something in the archives that just turns them out to be the biggest fucking goofs on the planet, and you're just like, oh, why can't you have been that all the time? Like, it, it just makes me happy. I think it's silly, and it's fun, and I thrive off the youthful exuberance of this particular song. I, I do appreciate the direction that they take, and, you know, uh, like, the inspiration to you know be a bit more ambitious and try larger things with their music but at the same time it, they totally are a band that worked on that face value of just you know being dumb kids writing dumb songs for dumb people like your boy on like being serious about writing songs uh one aspect of the story that i forgot to mention was that cav uh at 16 dropped out of school so he's like i want to write music that's all i want to do he backed himself to do that which i think yeah, is, man. that's incredible like mm. and for all the shit i've given them like fuck they've written so many fucking big hits and one arias yeah, well, and like institution yeah they've pretty much done everything that they've ever set out to uh try and accomplish so you know fucking more power to them and number 32 it's regurgitated with black bugs
Regurgitator, coming in at number 32 in the 1998 Hottest 100, that is a song entitled Black Bugs. Nathan. Yeah. What is at the end of Satan's Rainbow? A good song? <laughs> yeah. Hey, there we know. go. I was going to say pussy, but... Oh. <laughs> I guess uh, you and I are very different people. <laughs> so this is a track of Unit. I think it's track number four. I mean, this is just... All the songs this episode, whether you like them or not, are very fun, aren't they? It's good. <laughs> aren't they fun? Are you having fun, guys? Are you having fun today? Are you not entertained? <laughs> like this is like, not what you wanted. He just like became this weird parent figure. Then. <laughs> Well, okay, well, we'll just turn around and go home if you don't want to listen to Regurgitator. No, this is great. This is obviously just, like, super fun sort of power pop punk. That chorus, and the, when the guitar really kicks in, oh, the line, the, the, then I go to myself, it doesn't mean too much, is, like, a perfect line. And it's like, that's how I feel every time I make a mistake. It's like, I go to myself, that doesn't mean too much, it's fine. <laughs> Like the, the music in the verses, though, it's just like you guys were on like an eighties synth pop binge, weren't yeah, you? Like, yeah, it really like the melody, just like yeah. But then the chorus is just so much fun. It's like we great. played the song and we all started singing along yeah, to it, much. air guitaring yeah. it, and it's so simple still. So Ben sings this song. Um, yeah, there are a couple of Ben songs in the uh, greater. Uh, Regurgitator Archive. I like the Ben songs. Yeah, me yeah. too. Because normally it's Quan, yeah? Yes. Yeah, right. I think as well, this is like, it, it seems very obvious now for video games or whatever, but 98 is pretty, you mm. know, video games are kind of just becoming a thing in a mm. bigger way. I think also video game panic is probably spiking a bit at this time. It's obviously earlier as mm. well, but like, sure. in terms of like, kids are playing too many video games. And I think this is kind of... Yeah, home console video games people yeah, are playing too much. Yeah, like this is like PlayStation and 64, oh, and 64 era, right? 98. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially it means more to be an adult player who plays video games at this time. Like, no one would look twice at someone of any age... No, gamers rise a, up. <laughs> who had, rise up! Who had like, you know, a console and who enjoyed playing video games. But I think like... It plays into what the story of the song is and what the persona of the song is. Yeah, this like a, is a guy who plays video games as, as an play, adult. Yeah. Because, like, for all the fun in this song, this is a very sad song. This is someone, like, if I'm reading this correctly, this is someone who plays video games so he can die. I mean, that's what I seem to get in the lyrics. Yeah, like, I, he's living I, I, out a self-destructive fantasy by uh, allowing himself to be killed by the baddies in the <laughs> game. <laughs> Yikes. Man, yeah, that's yeah. sad, dude. Like, it's sad enough to, like, be obsessively trying to win at a video game, but if you're obsessively trying to lose at a video game, that's really sad. It's really sad. It's twisted, man. Yeah. It's all about the chorus, really. Like, and I can see why, like, there's so few lyrics in this song. They're just, like, eight lines, and then what's at the end of Satan's Rainbow 20 times. <laughs> but also, like, what's at the end of Satan's Rainbow is a really good way... Yeah. ...to talk about, like, being 
trapped in trapped in pleasure or something that's supposed to be yeah. pleasurable or whatever. Like if someone, hey, look, video game addiction is now recognized by the DSM. Yeah. So. <laughs> Andrew just shot a can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like playing duck hunt over here in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can't stop. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to find yeah. always gaming. But yeah, like when you're trapped in something that you can't stop in some kind of addictive behavior or compulsive behavior. Yeah, like Satan's rainbow is an awesome term for addiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah sp- especially like if it was a video game addiction. Mm. Absolutely. Isn't there the, the South Park episode where they're playing the kind of guitar hero game and it's yeah. chasing the dragon? Yeah, it's just the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Heroin hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have done so much better in my HSC if Guitar Hero hadn't come out that year. Mm. Oh, man. It was a- fully a feeling, man. Yeah. You know, you know uh, in Bojack, a feeling. Bojack Horseman with, with Todd and that he gets his rock opera sabotaged yeah. <laughs> because Bojack buys him that video game. <laughs> That was a you, ho- but you were told and me. Yeah. yeah, a horse bought me Guitar Hero, <laughs> and then... I think every time we speak about the girls, we always say, like, and it's so great they can do this sound so well as well. But it is so great they can do this sound so well as well. The, like, synthy pop stuff, and then just, like, the rock your head back and sing along chorus kind of thing. Yeah, it's just a... It's not a super, like, revelatory shot of regurgitator like some other songs that I've spoken about or will speak about but it's a wonderful track hmm. yeah I think it's probably one of their best constructed yeah right and in terms of like just enjoying sounds god I love how that guitar sounds at the beginning mm. it's just such a this is so hollow and shimmery like, they have a real way around their sounds in every single song no matter what it is and no matter what instrument it is but they manage to make it sound regurgitatory yeah totally mm. and they're still managing that to this very day yeah Put out a record a couple of months ago. It's Pretty good. Sounds, yeah, it's not bad. Is it regurgitatory? Yeah, it certainly does. Quite nice. so. Nice. On your boys. Well, we've talked about a lot of acclaimed musicians today, but uh, we've absolutely saved the best for last here. You know him as a veteran of the music scene. Your friend and mine, Mr. Paul McDermott. And number 31, it's Throw Your Arms Around Me. I will come for you at night And I will raise you from your sleep I will kiss you in four places As I go running up your street And I will squeeze the life out of you And you will make me laugh and make me cry and we may never forget it You will make me call your name And I'll shout it to the blue summer sky And we may never meet again So shed your skin and let's get started And you may Dermot coming in at number 31 in the 1998 
Hottest 100 with his version of Throw Your Arms Around Me as performed on the show he hosted, Good News Week. Andrew, I'm very curious to know your perspective on this one considering, as is well documented, uh, the Hunters are a very, very beloved band for you. Yes, indeed. Um, we mentioned in uh, previous times we've had the chance to speak about Hunters and Collectors. Throw Your Arms Around Me from the Human Frailty record, one of my absolute favourite Australian singles of all time. I think it's sickeningly beautiful and so human and, like, frail and fragile and so gorgeous as well. And also a huge nostalgic connection for me. The Hunters and Collectors are one of my parents' favourite bands and we're playing in the house a lot. So I have a huge connection to that song. And I've heard this version many times as well. Um Paul McDermott, like you know him as host of Good News Week and that sideshow thing that was on the ABC. Yeah, he was on the sideshow. Yeah. He was in, uh, yeah, the Doug Anthony All Stars. Yeah. Still is in the Doug Anthony All Stars. Yeah. And Good News Week was a game show that was on Channel Two and then Channel Ten in the nineties. Kind of like a comedy panel show where yeah, they yeah, just yeah. talk yeah. shit about the news. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was specs, specs, but it was news instead of music. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, with uh, uh, Mikey Robbins, Mikey Robin. Robbins, and uh, Wendy Harmer yeah. were on the show as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's um, he's mainly a comedian and a host, but he did get his career start in the Doug Anthony All Stars, who were a comedy rock group. Yes, um, with uh, Tim Ferguson. Tim Ferguson and, and Richard Fadler, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, from uh, Conversation another... Hour. Conversations yeah. with yeah. Enemy Fadler. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's Man. a bad enemy to pick. Yeah. <laughs> if I had that last name, there is no way I wouldn't do a one-man show called Fadler on the Roof. Right? Oh, God, yeah. That's yeah. dream. Yeah. Man. Maybe he has. Maybe he um, has. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the three of them were originally comedians in the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Just a quick aside, Doug Anthony was a politician. He was the one who Gough Whitlam had that great quip from. Doug Anthony was getting angry in the Senate and he was like I'm a country member! And then Gough Whitlam says, yeah mate, we remember. It's like, I'm a cunt, remember. Yeah. Further proof that Gough He's was, on it. Yeah. Fire up here. Yeah. But the band at the time did um, a bunch of comedy songs like I Fuck Dogs and stuff like that and they had a, a regular spot What's on... What's that song um, about? It's just about the dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had a regular spot on the big gig, the TV comedy sketch show. Yes, and um, that was kind of where he got his spot on Good News Week, Paul McDermott, because um, he used to have like because everyone recognised him now. Now he has like a long beard, but for Good News Week he was kind of a smart looking guy with his kind of crew cut look. But when he was in the All Stars, he had like kind of long braided, kind of actual rosy hair, and they were like, look, he did not professional looking enough to host a show and he's like I guarantee you I can do this and that's how he got his kind of major career and he often then sung songs as well because he has a very beautiful voice um, and just Doug Anthony All-Stars have always incorporated sincere songs in amongst their comedy they, they do a cover of um, Heard It Through the Grapevine which is one of my favourite covers of all time it yeah, is it's a ripper. sincerely fucking beautiful um, right. yeah and this as well I think is sincerely fucking beautiful so McDermott has had this history for a guy who is ostensibly a comedian has had this history of always just incorporating like you know what this is not a funny bit we're going to just spend five minutes to be really sincere because I can do a beautiful version of this song and I think this is a beautiful version of this song he has a like a voice that's within the realms of being sounding like the Hunter and the original but like it's still uniquely him the way it starts off so stripped back with just a synth tone and then in comes that Leonard Cohen I'm your man-esque shuffling beat and then it gets bigger and bigger and then there's the choir that come in at the very end and I think that the way it builds there, it represents all those different ways that the song exists. Because Hunters and Collectors original is just in the one tone because it's just the band Hunters and Collectors. And that's really beautiful. But then I think that the way... I'm, I'm not saying that Paul had this in mind when he did it, but I, I think the way that the song 
his version of the song changes from being this sincere, soft little thing to this huge moment at the end reflects the nature of the song itself and its trajectory through the Australian psyche, going from this one-off, really sincere, sweet song, which is just about a one-night stand. It's just about having like a moment of physical connection that you're not going to revisit in the chaos of life. And that's like a ties into the human frailty nature of the original Hunters record. And then as the song has become this inescapable pop hit in, and now even used in fucking insurance ads, bizarrely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh um, my God. Yeah. What, like that's like a, a wedding reception yeah. level misinterpretation yeah. of that song. The fact that the song went from this one moment that was an intimate collection of guys playing this playing a song about an intimate moment and it became this overbone huge pop hit and I don't think that's what Paul was necessarily doing but the way that his version of the song changes from this soft thing where it's just a keyboard tone and then a beat and him on his own to this bombastic hugeness reflects that kind of idea the way the song has changed in our history not that he's trying to do that but I do feel that a bit but then again at the end as well he strips it all back just for one repetition of the chorus on his own I've heard this song many many times I love his version of it I think it's very very beautiful and it's just another it's another check for why this song is one of the finest Australian rock singles of the 20th century for me it does what all good covers should do which is reveal things about the original that you make love the original more and appreciate a different perspective on it I think this is a fucking masterful piece of work it's really really lovely there's just something about Paul's yeah singing that really surprisingly pulls out emotions that you wouldn't expect someone like that to just someone who's normally very just like <laughs> very like yeah. mischievous and goofy and stuff like that to kind of make himself do something that really presents himself as being like very vulnerable and very kind of emotional like uh it, it's kind of like a Pagliacci kind of thing, you know? <laughs> like, it's a very surreal moment to, you know, like, you, you're never going to see, like, Peter Hellier or fucking <laughs> Rose McManus, like, doing, like, a like a classic... Dave like, O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. Who, who was the, uh, a Smash Team guy? Oh, Damien Callanan. Yeah. Da- Damien Callanan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not like, going to yeah. see him busting out, like, Better Be Home soon yeah. or anything like that. <laughs> Dave Hughes. Oh. Yeah. I, I want to see Dave Hughes do Throw Your Arms Around Me. Yeah. Oh, well, Cal- I'm feeling good time. Bro, I'm not very happy though this week. <laughs> I already had to pick the kids up. Now I'm gonna go pick you up. God, I'm not a taxi. I'm not an Uber. Everyone's getting Ubers now, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I kissed you in four places. <laughs> four. How many kisses do you want? <laughs> uh. Why am I going to so much trouble if we're never gonna meet again? <laughs> Ah, oh, the Hughesy oh, podcast geez. is back. <laughs> I think one thing Paul does, like, he obviously has a really, like, strong lung and, like, diaphragm capacity because he yeah. just projects like a motherfucker. He yeah. just, you, can, you can even tell in the live videos of this clip, he's just, like, he's singing right to the back of the room. Like, you can really feel that, I think. He's one of those dudes who's just, like, is 100% made of talent. Yeah. Because, like, he originally wanted to be an artist and he's since gone back to that. Yeah, um, like his a paintings visual artist, are great. Painter. Yeah, they're all up on his website. But here's the thing. When he was going, was learning that, he didn't have enough money to purchase art supplies. So he was stealing them and he thought, well, bugger this. I'm not, and I'm not going to go and get a job in hospitality. I'm just going to go perform. So at the age of 25, he was just like, he discovered he could sing and could perform. That's and amazing. Just like went and was incredibly successful at that, in addition to being a comedian, in addition to... And now he's getting into like animation and whatever. And he was, he was a columnist for a while. Right. Like, he's just... Apparently, a renaissance man, an ubermensch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dugo Anthony All Stars uh, like remind me a lot of Tripod 
in a lot of sure, ways. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think Tripod. Another, another group who can absolutely bring the feels. That's when it, right? Like, they're it. a comedy music group, but they... Oh, my God. Have you heard them and Eddie Perfect doing Meet Me in the Middle, middle of the Air? Paul Kelly? Uh, their version of that is sickeningly beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a whole album called uh, Australian Songs, which was really lovely. Primarily, like, a cappella versions of songs. Those four voices together, you're like, fuck off. That moment is kind of the same. For this moment, I think mm. you just really get an insight into Paul McDermott and how much he loves music mm. and how much he loves this song. Like, you feel that in yeah. the cover. Like, this is so important. And I think in his performance of it, you can see that he is grateful that he gets to perform it yeah, and totally. that he gets to share that moment and that, you know, he gets to sort of make that song happen in this environments yeah beautiful we, we joked before about saying um how you grow up and you listen to a music at home <laughs> and you're like i imagine performing this song now and paul had that moment and he got to fulfill that dream of performing presumably one of his favorite songs as well mm. many people's one of their favorite songs the original and he got the opportunity to perform that in a way that honors the original and honors seymour's lyrics yeah that's ah, beautiful stuff i'm yeah to talk about just some evidence about exactly how many people it is a favourite song for Triple J Hottest 100 of 1989, 90 and 91. Throw Your Arms Around Me by Hunters and Collectors placed second, second and fourth. Yeah, right. Respectively. I um, wonder if any uh, good podcasts have done like a Christmas special where they talked about the entirety of one of those countdowns. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that, uh, Nathan, it? because they also did a hottest 100 of all time for this very year, 1998. Wow. Of which this song placed, well, not this version, but wow. Throw Your Arms Around Me came second. That might be a good one. I wonder if do. Christmas Can is Can I hear this sleigh year? bells? Yeah. <laughs> Boys and girls, could it be him? <laughs> Wait, no, sorry, that's uh, that's Rove McManus. <laughs> we will never meet again. Yeah. So when we're done, say hi to your mum for yeah. me. Four places? <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, like, yeah. I love how very specific that... Yeah. There's so many lyrics in this in the song, in the Hunters and Collectors song, that you, just, you have to so stop and look at. There's this weird anxiety and aggression behind mm. it, which I think is just fascinating. Pretty much... Every love song written before this year, and probably even this year, if you misread it, it can feel predatory or like problematic or whatever. Like having having a like, so shed your skin and let's get started. That's I, I think that's romantic, and there's a beauty to that. Like it's like yeah. no, it's time to be physical and embrace the beauty of love in this way. But like, if you took it out of context, you could see someone making a dopey ass thread about like how. Mark Seymour is problematic or whatever. But. Well, I would squeeze the life out of you. Yeah. Like, mm. I get that as a romantic idea. Mm. Yeah. But and you know I, I, mean? I think that's why the Tom Gleason version of this, like, really <laughs> kind of missed the mark. Uh, welcome to Hard Chat. I'm here with a girl I just met at the pub. All right, let's root. Hard! <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening to us. And being a part of this journey, we appreciate you all so, so much. You know what would make us love you more? If you gave a bit of money to FBI, that'd be sick. FBIRadio.com, you got all the details there. This is the tail end of their uh, supporters drive. If you're listening to this as soon as this episode comes out, you'll have uh, like a, a window of a couple of days to be able to sign up and become a supporter. But even if you listen to it at any time, it is always a good time to support independent local community radio. We're all supporters and we literally wouldn't be able to do the podcast without FBI Radio. So if you've got some cash and you want some great benefits and awesome ticket deals and just want to feel like you're actually a part 
of the music scene that you love, sign up as an FBI supporter. It is something that you can just really feel good about yourself. If you've got the cash, please consider it. Before we get out of here, we are going to pick our favourites, pick our least favourites, and continue the ever-continuing story of carryover champs and carryover chumps. I feel like going first today. You should. It's a power move. I've got a bit of BDE going on, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna fucking swing that shit around, and I'm gonna do it as easy. Easy oh, energy. Jeez. Oh jeez, it was a good list this week. Five very good songs. Uh, I am going to pick. I'm gonna give it a flagpole sitter for my favorite for this week. And as much as I fucking love that song, uh, I, I still have to hold on to the impression that I get. Least favorite this week, Paul Mack doing throw your arms around me. Actually, he <laughs> is Paul Mack. No, no, literally. Do you know why Paul Mack is known as Paul Mack? Because his real name is Paul McDermott. Oh, wow. Beep. Oh my god. Is he any chump, David? Uh, no. Oh, oh, okay, no. right. Yeah. Just what a monster do you think I am? Jesus. Yeah. Um, my favorite is uh, also Flagpole Sitter. It was very close Do between um, that and Paul McDermott, but I, and oh. I, I'm actually yeah. Five Hundred is my favourite. Yes, it's my new carryover champ. Whoa! Yeah. I know. I hate to turn my back on the Serious Boys. But I do love this song very, very much. It's been and a countdown of of frenzel antism falling yeah. by the wayside. Yeah, and I'm sure that the thing is, I do. I think I prefer autism song, but whatever. I play fast and wild with these fucking faves. Yeah. Um, and my why not? My least favorite. I'm gonna give it a sweater. It's not necessarily a terrible song, but it's fifth best of an all right bunch. Chump very firmly remains drinking in LA by Brand Van Seven Billion. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> the number goes up over time. <laughs> Inflation rate. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make... Uh, yeah, Flagpole Sitter is my favourite, but I'm going to keep Tism as my champ. Um, and Sweto is my least favourite, but not as bad as Metallica. Flagpole Sitter is my favourite. Hey, all around. And my new champ. Hey! hey my least favourite was also Jumper. Actually, if it was Jumper, I probably would have liked it more. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the encumbered reference. Mm, yeah. And yeah. Whatever. Um, any songwriters who are struggling and need to riff on balance. balance yeah, just come at me. I think I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> By Joe, um, I think he's got it. Yeah, my least favorite, uh, my, my carryover chump remains Brand Van Googleplex. Nice. All right, folks. It's time for the top 30. I love how you've been hyping up, like, each new bracket. Like, yeah, it's, it's the time. top 40. <laughs> it's oh the God. top 30! Because the there's less and less songs, man. Do you know how much hotter it's getting? Like, mm, the higher, the smaller the number is, the hotter the song. So number one is the hottest. Huh. Wait, so, what? So oh, yeah. what that implies is that the, the hottest 100 actually starts at sub-zero temperatures. Yes. Because it because as we get higher, the, as the numbers get lower... The temperature gets hotter. Yes. Yes. It starts at zero Kelvin. <laughs> it ends at, what, well, no, like 45 is a pretty hot day. Yeah. 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 yeah, pretty hot. It'd have to be Kelvin, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, like, it's not going to be 100 degrees below zero. What's absolute zero in Celsius? Uh, minus 270 yeah, or thanks. something. Thanks, nerd. Mr. Scientist. <laughs> yeah. You knew you were just like, I'm laying my nerd trap. <laughs> I know entirely why I want to be out of the nerd. Yeah. So, I'm clearly the jock because you said absolute zero in Celsius. I'm like, zero? <laughs> and I'm it's right I'm clearly the dumbass because I said absolute zero is my nickname in high school. <laughs> uh, actually, to correct you, I think it was Billy Corgan's nickname in high school. <laughs> Love you, Billy. 
I do love Billy Corgan, by the way. I, <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> we know. He's a genius of, of uh, alternative uh, rock in the 90s. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Yeah, see ya. Mr. Andrew McDonald. <laughs> Good night. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. My name is still Chicken to China, the Chinese chicken. So get your Brunswick. Your Brunswick? <laughs> your Brunswick. <laughs> Head on down there. <laughs> where the brains are always ticking. Everyone fucks up that lyric. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is good for you. Coming in at number 69 in the 19 What Did He Fuck Hottest 100 with the Digimon theme song. And if anyone thinks that this doesn't fucking whip absolute sack, then you can get the fuck out of here. That song is a ride. It's like, obviously, like... (laughs) The, the the point of Digimon was that it was a more digital version of, like, Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're really riding hard on the digital. On the digital, yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's very modern sounding. Yeah. <laughs> this is your nan's mon. <laughs> so, I, it's really worth breaking this down, though, because it begins with the lyrics, Digimon, the digital monsters, Digimon are the champions. Are the champions. The, the, the next part of the song is change into digital champions <laughs> to save the digital world. world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that the show had as much depth as it did, considering... Because <laughs> the Pokemon one is, it sounds more organic and it's just someone singing. They want you to know this is, no, no, there's some Matrixy shit going down here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Digimon is very much the Matrix for kids. <laughs> so, many things, so many things. Like, there's... I mean, yeah. Neo is kind of like Ty. Argumon mm. is Trinity. Yeah, uh, all the Digimon is Gabumon. Morpheus is Gabumon. Yeah, I like um, Gabumon. Yeah. It's the wolf one. Yeah, like, yeah, it's cool. Oh, I remember the he kind of like wore the skin. Yeah, of the yeah. Wolf yeah, yeah, and then yeah. turned into the big wolf. The, like, he was the, that's the, cool. The was it a wolf that? wore a, a wolf skin? I don't know. He kind of like, just had yeah. it like it looked like he had it over. Him. It looked loose, and it was um. No. But he was wearing the skin of another wolf. No. Surely Nathan So what was he? Was he a wolf? He was a, he Digimon. Was a Digimon. He was a Digimon, dude. The, the, did you listen to the song? Did you do the prep? <laughs> he was a digital champion. <laughs> he was trying to say the digital world. You piece of shit. <laughs> so you, you ride really hard for the, the world. Well, well, the best part of the lyrics is obviously the, the crooning guy, the chase. It's yeah, so groony. Matt. Matt, Matt had Gabumon. Yeah. Who's, yeah. Who's Matt? Matt with one T. Clarification. <laughs> I'm envisioning this. You know, you know, like the um, the Pokemon theme song obviously has the one vocalist and then a couple of backing vocalists. Mm. This to me has like four very clear different vocalists. You have the Digimon, who is also the digital champions. Like yeah. the guy who sounds like he's recording his from the cockpit of a jet. Yeah. <laughs> like. He, he's like, oh, this is your captain speaking, <laughs> just, did, did, Digimon. I can't make it in today, but just put the phone on speaker and I'll do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you got this guy, Digital Champions, who just sounds like, uh, 
I don't know, some shit. Uh, no. <laughs> Even the song sounds like that. <laughs> Digimon, Digital oh, Monsters. Yeah. I don't really like it. Well, Why not? Honestly, it kind of irked me even as a kid. And then, I think yeah, it's some the operatic guy and then world. It's too it's long. Just the world one guy. line and makes it's it count. It's too long, we'll say. <laughs> that, that melody I is think it's very... some of Koji Wada's best work. <laughs> yeah, I, it I'm going to say it. The, the melody feels like kind of like a tritone. Like, I think it's in, yeah. like, is it, is it in C minor. Like, it sounds like it sounds minor. <laughs> Sorry, what, can we just zoom in on that? <laughs> no, let's not. Oh, please. <laughs> what no, did you, I insist. The composer... No, he died He died two years ago. He was 42. Wow. Oh. Died or went to the digital world? <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Don't. <laughs> Not talking anymore. That's it. <laughs>